I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach. Today we have a very interesting topic and. A friend of mine who we just realized we were calculating, I met last 22 years ago. Now in my mind, I don't think I'm 22 years old, let alone having met a friend in college 22 years ago. And we completely lost touch. And then we realized that we have so much in common in what we are doing. She is a fantastic person in understanding life, our body, our system of being and health beyond just the physical aspects of it. And today we're going to be talking about enjoying life through yoga. It's going to be a fantastic discussion and we have with us Mirabel Dekuna. Mirabel, welcome to the Happy Coach Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to see you again. It's a pleasure to be here and to have the opportunity to share whatever little wisdom life has offered to me. So I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> so how did life shove wisdom down your throat? Tell us your journey. Like, How did you get here? I think my big awakening was having an L5 slip disc when I was about 24 and you and I have a history from college and you know dancing and theater and all of that so I love dance and it was my life it was my way of catharsis of uh, processing my emotions of which I had a lot of particularly anger and when I had the slip disc, they also discovered that I had congenital scoliosis and a whole bunch of issues. And I was told that I might not really be able to dance again. And dancing was you, your identity was dancing. Yeah, yeah. I was so identified with it. And, you know, that's a great observation that I felt like there's no point to me living if I can't dance. Mm. And so I was pretty depressed and I didn't want to have spine surgery. So I decided to um, go to the Himalayas and give yoga a shot. But in terms of yoga, I had already been practicing before college. You know, we were at Xavier's, so I would take the train, get off at Santa Cruz, go take a yoga class, listen to a satsang, which I had a lot of skepticism about, but went anyway, and then come to college. So it was part of the journey. And I really knew that the main energy lines move through the spine. And I had been told by somebody, I can't remember who, that if you mess with that, you know, your opportunity for spiritual growth is sort of stunted. So I didn't want to do that. And when we were little, I don't want you because I'm older than you are, but we had only this black and white Doordarshan TV. Mm. And there was this dancer called Sudha Chandran and she had a Jaipur foot and she was dancing. So when I had the slip disc, that was my inspiration. If she can do it without even having a foot, I can do it with a broken back. And you went there and you learned yoga what happened then? So I went there with this terrible slip disc. I went to the Himalayas, right? So it's close to Gangotri. It's not an easy terrain and certainly not on a slip disc. I remember getting on the train from Delhi to go to, I think it was Rishikesh. And I couldn't even hold my bag because I didn't have the strength. And all along the way, someone, there was a guy from the army that helped. Somebody was just helping me and I made it there. And on the first day, there were 30 of us. It was a yoga teacher training, huh? Like I just went into the deep end and... 28 people were not Indian and there were two of us Indians. On the first day, you know, the Swami was guiding the class and the first asan was Shirshasan, headstand. I've never done a headstand in my life before. Oh, he threw you in the deep end, straight first. That's just how it was. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason to it, you know, okay. we work with the crown chakra first and, you know, all of that. But I didn't know that. And I saw everybody up in headstand except me and the other Indian. And I'm like, I need to like run out of here. But I was in so much pain that I couldn't. So he came up to me and he 
assisted me in a, into a headstand and I'm saying, no, Swamiji, I have an L5 slip disc. Like, like, you don't get it. Like, you can't do this. He just looked into my eye and he assisted me into a headstand. He was holding me. But at that moment, something happened that I lost all sense of time, all sense of pain in my body, of which there was so much. And I can only even now recall it as an afterthought because I still cannot, I can feel in my body sometimes that that experience of spaciousness and like, like there is no limitation to me. So you did the teacher's training. This connectedness to the universe, this epiphany happened about anything is possible. This vastness of feeling happened. How did it become a part of your life? How did you make it up? How did you weave it into your life, the yoga lifestyle and all of those things? And then how do you take it forward into all the stuff that you talk about now? Initially, my thing was this, you know, like we say, Atha Yoga Anushasanam, right? Now I am beginning the practice of the discipline of yoga. Ashton, you said discipline to me. I'd run like a million miles away because like, I mean, I love dancing. I love experiencing life. I love enjoying life. So do not not ask me to do anything that has to do with discipline because it's going to kill my joy. Hmm. So I thought of yoga as some kill my joy, stunt my personality and make me a sannyasi, which I had no interest in being. But it's quite the contrary, absolutely the opposite. Really, the whole journey is simplifying so that we can expand more. If you ask me to define yoga in a very simple way, I would say it's economy of effort and luxury of inner experience. Economy of effort. Effort and luxury of inner experience. Because all the things are taking you to that economy of effort, right? Like the things that you're talking about when you're talking about habits, what is it? It's economy of effort instead of making, you know, like we were just talking about, you know, me being on the flight and, you know, all of that. And when I'm saying I eat only a nine and five, I don't have choices. Like I have made the choice in conjunction, not with like my random choice, but with how nature's rhythms work, right? And then all the clutter around, you know, we were just talking about, you know, I've just come to India after a long time and, you know, all the samosas and the chat and like all of those things you're seeing in the dosa and you can smell everything. And I don't have this opportunity to like just go out and get this stuff. And there's like nothing, nothing inside. There's a joy to experience it, a little bit of joy for the nostalgia, but there's not like, oh, I need to go back to that time, you know, when we used to be outside college and have that sandwich from that guy that used to put butter and chutney and save and everything on top of it. And lots of cheese. Like I can enjoy that as a shared experience, but I don't feel the need to go back to it. And then all that clutter, right? What we talk about the yoga's chitta vritti nirodha, right? The fluctuations of the mind start reducing because there's no decision making. There's no conflict. The conflict reduces so much because you're so clear Mm. about what you're aligned with. It's like simplifying life, minimalism of effort, like you said. Like, I know these are the things I have to do now. Why are you trying to confuse my life and adding more stuff to it? But that's not the face I see when people are in a yoga class, right? There's all like that struggle of um, how am I going to like hold this plank for so long? Or you're saying I'm, I have to do this Surya Namaskar and this stretch is hurting here and this. So where is the inner peace when you're thinking about that, that struggle that is there in that asana? Yeah, so the depth of grace that you experience, right, is directly proportionate to the, I won't say struggle, but the tapasya, right, that forbearance that you have. And we got to understand that yoga is not about calm. I mean, I just want to, you know, break some myths around it. Hmm. I'm not calm all the time. It's about being 
in a state of allowing you know this one of my guru swami shambhu devananda he would keep saying this and i just never got what he was saying he would say just keep allowing i'm like come on you're trying to make me hold this asan for 10 minutes like it's just awful i feel like rubbish like what is allowing like what is this you know surrender it just felt like i wanted to revolt against it mm. but allowing is being with what is I don't have to accept it. I don't have to say it's okay for, you know, whatever to be happening, but I can say it's it's okay for me to experience anger hmm. while I'm practicing yoga. But in an asana class, every asana actually targets certain marma points, hmm. right? So marmas are where uh, the energy meridians meet. So if you're actually effectively doing yoga the way it's meant to be practiced with an inwardness, with the breathing, with your alignment with opening your heart and your body to the grace of God or like however you sort of connect with this glorious energy that is making all this happen, you can be with that discomfort and know that it's here for a reason the the asana is actually to unlock the traumas because all our traumas are stored in the body like we say in the west issues you got issues in your tissues mm. right so it's whether you do it through acupuncture or you do it to marmani massage or you do it uh, through asana or like somatic work or there's so many beautiful modalities we're going to the same place so it's not the absence of it it's When I feel anger for example the first thing to do is to because we're using language I'm saying anger but actually there is an arising of sensation in my body that I label as anger but it is an emotion energy in motion it is a sensation that is coming and if we talk about the science of it it's a you know it's the limbic brain that gets activated and it's fight flight or freeze you know certain neurochemicals you know you've got adrenaline and you know cortisol all of these sort of getting activated blocking out you know the other neurotransmitters that make you feel good so it's all very scientific and understandable but even the science doesn't help you process it the processing can only happen in the body the space of healing and of trauma is the body because we are embodied so noticing what anger feels like and at every time anger will feel different so for instance you know sometimes it feels like a rising from the belly and it feels like heat and it feels like a rapid rising of heat in my body the heat feels more explosive or it feels more penetrative If I'm sitting in a session with somebody for say a core meditation will track what that feels like or there's a tightness can you describe that tightness what is the quality of it can you zoom in more with the state to just be I'm here I'm listening I'm not trying to fix I'm not rejecting I'm not trying to get rid the way that we're conditioned is when I feel something uncomfortable I must distract myself How do I do that? Either by I'll get on my phone, I'll go have a smoke, I'll do like whatever. I'll even I have to do so some of my, you know, I work with a lot of C-suite people and with some of my clients like you will not exercise when you are feeling angry. You will do a core meditation practice and you will only exercise when you feel good because they're using that as a distraction mechanism. We've got to really go subtle and subtle and subtle so that we don't bypass the body response. So no, we're not supposed to feel calm in a yoga class we're not supposed to feel anything we're just supposed to be open to the experience we're not even supposed to do that i love that about yoga it makes no demands of you and it presents all these techniques that can help me understand myself and be kinder to myself i love this guide people through this part okay so if i have a yoga practice or so mm-hmm. go for a yoga class in this evening 
what should my mindset be when i'm first getting onto that mat mm. and what should my mindset be through the asan like mm. one aspect is okay fine start doing trikon asan okay fine start doing this <laughs> asan but what should my mindset be at each of these asans and mm. what should i be experiencing and feeling mm. you should not be experiencing and feeling anything mm. whatever your experience is that's what it is mm. Why should my experience and your experience of yoga be the same? No, for Or most people, it we... is when is Shavasan coming? When is Shavasan coming as an experience? Yeah. Right? So But, I would like... want to say the first thing we we want to go back and ask: Why am I practicing yoga? Hmm. That's the most important question to ask hmm. because it's not about class. I mean, is yoga about a class? I'm sorry, it's not. Hmm. Like, why am I practicing yoga? And be really honest with yourself: I'm practicing yoga because I want a yoga body. Hmm. Fine, nothing wrong with that. There is no hierarchy. Hmm. You don't have to be practicing yoga to feel calm or to have nirvana and moksha and you know all of that. Be authentic with yourself about why you're going to that practice, mm. and then why are you in that particular? You know, if it's deeper reasons than the body, and I don't think the body is a shallow reason. I there, you know, I think it's the lineage that I come from, uh, Shri Vidya Yogini Tantra. The woman's body is, or a human body is, a gift of the divine. Hmm. and to be celebrated and to be respected and to be enjoyed within the paradigms of not proprietary like not conditioning but within the paradigms of respecting the laws of nature and the laws of energy hmm. so i think whatever your reason is you should be really clear about that and then also just be open to the experience and if you're feeling discomfort ask why like am i pushing we can see all our patterns with our relationship with food because i think that's a very easy one everybody eats not everybody practices yoga right though eating is part of yoga so everybody does practice yoga we can see all our patterns so for example since we're talking about asan if someone is really like i've got to get into this like ardhamatsendriyasan or you know whatever like this twist and i need to be completely aligned and you know they coming notice if this pattern is there in your life where you're trying to always be perfect hmm. or get there first mm. or always fighting what is coming to you like no i'm going to be positive i'm going to be positive this is hurting me but i'm going to do this i'm going to be positive it's a rejection even perfection is a rejection of what is and i will say that as a recovering perfectionist you know there's so much rejection of the self in this illusion of perfection because there's a lack of trust that whatever created me gave me everything i need to and i'm evolving like perfection can be like what so i'm perfect and i'm a fossil how do i grow like how do i expand from there yeah, if you know so, everything there's nothing to teach you anymore there's right? nothing to exactly and it brings humility you know the yoga practice because even if i can do things every day that you know experience is different mm. right like literally we can live without food but we cannot live without breathing we're designed to be breathing all the time it's our primary food our primary nourishment mm. and one we take for granted all the time so if we regulate our breathing we are able to make space for discomfort mm. it's almost like breathing gives the discomfort like a hug and not like a tight hug but like i'm here yeah and we can be with the opposites the purpose of yoga is also to be with opposites you have to hold opposites like when one part of the body is the muscles are working the opposite muscles are relaxing so this you know seeming dichotomy it's what keeps the world together the tree needs the roots to go down into the darkness 
with all the, you know, what people call creepy crawlies, which I don't think are creepy crawlies, but they're like nourishment, right? It needs to be able to go into that dark part that's wet and really dark. And it needs to make the effort to send its roots out. And only when it does that can it grow up towards the light, which is, you know, like roots upward. You cannot have one without the other. Nowhere in nature will you see one without the other. Then why should my body be any different? Like what, I'm exceptional? Hmm. That I should never feel anger or sadness or jealousy or greed or lust or, you know, it, these are human emotions. The practice of yoga is transmuting that energy and using it for expansiveness. And we can all do that. Hmm. It's the trans, transmuting. Like anger is such a strong energy, right, Ashton? Hmm. When you feel it, it takes over your body. It's very powerful. It has so much shakti. So for the longest time, I was doing our Wim Hof breathing method, right? So because I used to do high altitude treks, so I needed to get comfortable with low oxygen. So I used to hold my breath for four minutes at a time, etc. And I suddenly realized that the strength that comes from knowing that you don't need to keep breathing. So like if someone held my mouth, I'd be like, hmm, you know, like, yeah, it's okay. Cool. You don't feel suffocated anymore. You know, and that's something that we are so prone to. You know, you feel that suffocation. You feel that the world's giving in on you. But when you let your breath go, that suffocation disappears. The need yeah. for it. So you suddenly start realizing the freedom from doing practices like this as well. Yeah, it's completely liberating everything and i just want to i know you have a question to ask but if you are not practicing consciously slowing down your breath you're really missing on a big 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 gem in life because you can do it any time you're in the metro you're walking to the restroom you know so and when we talk about intermittent fasting, so all of my clients that work one-on-one -on -one with me, I always give them a breathing practice for at least two minutes to do before they eat each meal mm. because of the effect it has on the nervous system and the ability to absorb what you're eating and also not feel sort of like, I need to get on with it and eat and finish so that I can get on with life and do the next thing. Like eating is amazing. We should enjoy it. Everything. What's the breathing practice? It's really simple. So it's it's called Sama Vritti. Mm. Sama, same Vritti thought because breath and thought waves are related. So you breathe slower and you will have fewer amount of thoughts pinging in your head. Mm. When you're more anxious, you're breathing faster and you have more thoughts pinging in your head. So in the West, we call this coherence breathing. So you inhale for five seconds and you exhale for five seconds. You can use an app to practice. My friend Eddie Stern has a lovely free app called the Breathing App. So that's what I recommend. It's got a little drone sound. Or if you can chant in your mind, Om 1, Om 2, Om 3, Om 4, Om 5, and then exhale the same thing. Or you can also, you know, if you find that you're very distracted and you're very restless and you can sort of focus, then you bring your right hand to your lower belly and your left hand to your chest. And as you breathe in, you let your belly get completely like voluptuous, right? And I love that because, you know, this is a sensory experience and curl into the palm of your hand. And as you breathe out, you leave your hand where it is and then you let the belly move towards the spine. When you do the breathing the second time, you've got to get your belly all the way into the cup of your hand again. So that ensures that you're not sort of like, you know, half breathing through, which can happen if you're not conscious. So there, you know, it's helpful to work one on one with somebody at least for one session because there's so much to breathing. There's a functional breathing. I'm breathing slower, but they're all chest breathing. So it's not diaphragmatic breath. So it's important. This is a science. Um, if somebody has blood pressure, 
we might change the ratios, things like that. So it's always important, I think, to get guidance from somebody. Absolutely. But generally, like we think five, it's just five. breathing, but it has a huge effect on the body. So you can't just take it as just breathing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I love these little little things that we can do through the day, okay? Especially since the, today's topic is enjoying life through yoga. So all these little things that we're going to do through life we have to keep telling us. So we are talking about the different koshas, mm. right? Tell me about that. So the koshas are the sheaths of the body and there is a different understanding in tantra and yoga. I'm going to talk about the yogic understanding. So the first sheath is annamaya kosha or our food sheath. I want to make this really practical, okay? So Swami Vishnu, one of the gurus I never met, you know, he would say, all that you are is made up of all the cauliflower, broccoli and pizza that you eat. And it's my daughter used to come to the ashram with me, so she used to laugh a lot. So I kind of remember this, right? Because if you think about it, everything from your ovaries and sperm cells, which are what continues life, to stem cells and lymph and blood and like, you know, all of these, like, you know, we have the saptadhatus, all are made up of what you're eating. So Annamaya Kosha, your food sheet is this physical body through which you have an experience of life because even breath has to happen through the body. If we want to do this, we need our limbs, we need our body, right? So that's Annamaya Kosha. So respecting it is the first order of business. Because you can't get to anything subtler like the mind and, you know, all of those other aspects without taking care of the food sheath. Mental health is in yoga and Ayurveda, like I don't want to put a percentage to it, but most, a large part of it is uh, dependent on the food you're eating because food has effects on the nervous system, on the mind, when you're eating, how you're eating. I know you had Vignesh on the show, so I'm not going to go into all the stuff that he talks about. But you know, it's if you haven't listened to that show, please listen because we need to know Ayurveda. And it's a pity because, you know, I'm teaching in the West mostly and the white people are so open to this and people from my own country are like, ah, Ayurveda. Hmm. Ah, hey, like oh, ah, you know, and it's like, it makes me sad. Hmm. You know, I trust that it's all for a reason, but it's just a little bit like, oh, okay. Hmm. So, you don't know what you're missing out on. Yeah. yeah. So, Annamaya Kosha is that. Hmm. And then through the Annamaya Kosha, we are able to experience the Pranamaya Kosha, which is the subtle, the energy body. Okay, so everybody's familiar with prana, the life force, uh, which is contained in breath, but it is not breath. It's not the components of breath. It is the vital life force that sustains everything and that makes everything move, right? So then everything we're experiencing as sensation is in the Annamaya Kosha, in the food sheath, but through the Pranamaya Kosha through the energy body, mm. right? So when we're talking about, you know, traumas or delirious joy, it's all experienced as sensation in the body. And that we experience through the movement of prana. So the prana gets coagulated, condensed, stagnant, you know, whatever. And then it feels tight or it feels like heavy or it feels expansive. All of these are different states of the prana, which we experience in the pranamaya kosha. Then we've got the Manomaya Kosha, so having to do Mano with the mind. Then we've got a Vijnanamaya Kosha, which is our intelligence and our beliefs. And then we've got Anandamaya Kosha, which is the bliss sheath. All right, we're going to come back to the podcast after a quick break. Welcome back to the Habit Coach Podcast. Let's continue. So the first practice of awareness is my physical body. How am I respecting it? Through action. Consistent action. 
I can't respect it only when I'm doing a detox fast or whatever. Like there is no reward and punishment. Am I in patterns of reward and punishment with my physical body? Whether it's the way I look, it's the way I eat, my sleep. Like do I think of food as, oh, this is going to be a treat. You know, if you look at all these very practical things in your life, you will understand if you actually have an authentic relationship a real relationship of intimacy with your andamaya kosha with your food sheet and we've really got to start there look at all these patterns you know and and it starts so young telling a child if they do something good then they'll get like a toffee or they'll get whatever is saying that your body is not worthy of uh, you know good stuff or you have to earn good you have to earn rewards I was with my client this morning and we were talking exactly this you're saying that have you noticed that all the stuff that we pride as being cool or stuff that we think of as enjoyment or stuff that we treat ourselves with are things that are shortening our lifespan yeah so i'm doing 30 days of no alcohol and i'm going to this ayurveda retreat vignesh's only for my birthday So people are like, who celebrates their birthday while going to an Ayurveda retreat? Right? <laughs> Some loonies like us. <laughs> no, it's like you see the thing. Funda is that you're celebrating your life, not so far. You're not celebrating like how fast I'm going to die now. And that's the point of this, right? Can you start looking at your life with a little slant, or look with a different perspective on things, and saying that why exactly is four glasses of champagne celebrated? Yeah. Who told you that four glasses yes. of champagne is a celebration? Yes, absolutely. Correct. Does it do anything for my Ananda Maya Kosha? Is bliss <laughs> coming from this? Because bliss doesn't come from the champagne, right? Bliss comes from something else. And can we actually get to bliss as a state? Because when you're in a state of bliss, life just seems different. Yeah, I mean, it's so beautiful the way you said it, right? Like, why do we do this? And I think you know, in every culture, and particularly in Indian culture, we really need to question the conditioning. At every level, there is so much conditioning, you know, and we subscribe to it because we want to belong, and we all do. All of us want to belong, right? Like we are, you know, are right now our mirror neurons are like mirroring each other and feeling a sense of our legs are folded in the same. Uh, Yeah, exactly, right? So so this is a human need for approval and acknowledgement, but at the same time, you know, we have to see where am I aligned? You know, where am I giving power in my life? Okay? So and so we're looking at you know, why am I giving power to other people? And what's the difference between approval and acknowledgement? Acknowledgement is so say it's my birthday and you're offering me all the champagne and I don't want to have it, right? And I might have in the past felt pressured to have it because you know I should it's the right thing to do in this social situation you've spent so much money getting me the champagne or whatever the reasons are and if i say no i'm not going to have the champagne you're like oh i've ordered this champagne especially for you from wherever i haven't had champagne in years so i have no idea <laughs> but from champagne, uh, champagne yes, comes from that champagne. is true yes <laughs> And then I might feel like, oh, you might get offended. So I should at least have one sip. You know, all this like unnis beast like debating that goes on in the head. But if I say to you, I'm very clear that I don't want to have it, right? And I say, Ashton, I'm so grateful that you thought to bring this amazing champagne from Champagne for me for my birthday. Thank you so much for putting all the care and effort into it. I don't feel like having champagne right now, but I really appreciate your. your love which i feel through this you know how are you going to feel are you going to feel rejected no it's appreciated yeah mm. but at the same time i didn't have the champagne mm. right so i acknowledged mm. the space from which you came from which is a space of love and care mm. but i did not engage in the the in champagne the or the mm. act mm. because it did not resonate with what is a way for me to respect my and my kosha 
so there's no conflict there i want to think oh and then next time ashton will be like ha mirabel she's you know hmm. she's very khadu she's all stuck up in all this yoga stuff she does not have fun i'm getting a champagne da 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 you know like all this like clutter that happens in, in the mind because of conditioning and belief system hmm. so acknowledgement is exactly what i just shared acknowledging where you came from acknowledging where i come from but approval is when we need someone to agree with us hmm. most of us are going for approval coming for like giving acknowledgement to myself and you cannot give it to anybody if you don't give it to yourself it's not possible to give anything to anybody that you don't give yourself just not possible so acknowledging i am in a yoga class i came here to feel peaceful but i am feeling angry or i'm feeling frustrated or i am in pain is acknowledgement the person next to me is breathing too loudly he's destroying my class all of that correct yes. so all these thoughts keep coming yeah hmm. yeah so vigyanamaya kosha pranamaya kosha is your energy system your subtle system it comes from your breathing it comes from the energy that how do you work on your pranamaya kosha yeah so i mean you work on becoming aware of it see mm. all these koshas are existing mm. you just have to bring awareness and then you know refine and refine and refine the awareness you know it's like getting better taste in things right so pranamaya kosha you can feel all the time when you're feeling this pain in your body or you're feeling tired where are you feeling it your organs are still doing what they're doing so where are you feeling it in the pranamaya kosha as you feel it in the physical body mm. because it is in that realm right so becoming aware of biofeedback is a beautiful way to develop a relationship and understanding of pranamaya kosha and this we call the process of interoception okay so proprioception is like when you go to a doctor and they palpate you and they like oh like you know they check if you have gas and they check all these things that's palpation okay proprioception interoception is there's a particular area in the brain called the insular cortex that's responsible for this and for some people we have you know more active or developed insular cortex or interoceptive abilities and for some of us we have lesser um i'm actually going to teach a course with a neuroscientist from mount sinai new york in january on uh, the neuroscience of meditation wow. Wow. and we're going to go Is into it like it's going to be online yeah will you yeah. please send me link how can i join absolutely okay. i will so we're going to talk about these practical things because really that's what it is so noticing for example right now i'm just brushing my fingers against my palm now there are a lot more nerve endings on my palm for example than on like my elbow here so i'm going to feel much more sensation right and that sensation that i'm feeling is the shift in the pranamaya kosha mm. so whenever you're feeling anything and i Yoga Nidra is a phenomenal practice. It's a beautiful way to begin to have a relationship with the koshas because it takes you through the koshas. Mm. Right? So simple things like, you know, walking into a room and noticing how does it feel to sit on this chair? What is the contact space between the buttocks and the chair? You know, what is the feeling of my clothes on my skin? What is the feeling of the air on my bare skin? noticing the dryness in my lips or you know whatever is present is becoming aware of pranamaya kosha so you do this practice when you are not triggered mm. so that when you are in a state of what we call dysregulation or people might call it being triggered feeling angry or overwhelmed or anxious or you know whatever you can feel what that feels like in your body people get into this thing where they're like i'm anxious i have anxiety issues you know i just i've had them for years like you know it's me it's it's just how i am mm. no mm. so i say what is anxiety well so then they look at me like 
aren't you the expert? Like, shouldn't you know what anxiety is? And I say, okay, let's close our eyes and go to a time. And if you're listening, do this with me. So close your eyes. Not if you're driving. I was going to say that. Thank you. <laughs> and if you're driving, you can keep your eyes open. But just in your body, remember, go to a memory, a time when you felt really uncomfortable. It's a time when you felt sad or upset or disappointed or let down, whatever it is. I want you to feel being in that space. Maybe there's a particular smell associated with that place or sense of objects in the room. And notice what that sensation of sadness or whatever it is feels like in your body. So you might notice that a certain part of your body starts to call out to you a little bit more. You might feel more sensation in a certain part of the body and I want you to zoom in to that sensation. So Ashton, while we're here, I'll just keep this a brief practice. Can you zoom into a sensation? I'm not going to ask you to tell me what you're thinking of. Can you zoom into a sensation of discomfort in your body? Mm-hmm. And can you share with me where you're feeling that? Mm-hmm. In my palms, mm-hmm. sweaty palms. Yeah. And can you describe the sensation of sweaty palms a little more? So it is a clenched fist, sweaty palms, wanting to run away, but being unable to. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to feel that energy feeling of wanting to run away, but unable to as this these two opposite energies in your body. Let me know if you can feel the physical sensation of both these. So it's the feeling of almost my entire body being held back by a leash. Mm-hmm. Which part of your body does this holding back feel most pronounced? Mm, chest and back. Mm. And can you zoom into the epicenter of this discomfort? So chest and back, but there's there will be one spot that is kind of where it originates from. Can you just zoom into that sensation where it's the strongest, like the epicenter? And tell me if you can feel that. Solar plexus. Mm. And I'm just going to invite you to open your eyes now. So what we just did is we zoomed into the pranamaya kosha and we didn't go, obviously we're not doing a session, so we could zoom in further and further and further and then the body starts talking. It starts revealing, it might go back to, you know, what happened at that time and when that moment of stress happens, we don't feel the physical body, Mm. right? Because we're trying to distract ourselves. We disembody, we numb, whatever. We do something to escape what is actually physically happening in the body. That becomes what we call an incomplete stress cycle. Hmm. Okay, so, and it gets stored in the pranamaya kosha, gets stored in the energy, and we talk of it biophysically. It's a neurochemical or a neurohormonal response hmm. because the stress response is a neurohormone. Any response is a neurohormonal response. The nervous system interacting with the hormonal system. So, for basic you know, just to keep it very basic, we can say that there's an activation of the sympathetic nervous system because mm. you wanted to, you know, run away. So you wanted to flight, but also then there was the freeze at the same time. And that would activate higher levels of cortisol and, you know, heart would beat faster. All of these various things would happen. And that is a neurochemical energy that right now, whatever that thing you were thinking about is not happening right now, Mm -hmm. but you felt the sweaty palms, you felt that because your body remembers it and it hasn't been discharged. That neuro 
chemical charge because the nerves transmit through electrical charge, right? Which is that prana. I was okay. going to ask you the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's not exactly the same, but if we wanted to compare, yeah, we it's, it's your bioelectric like, field. The prana was going to be one of my questions. Yes, mm. yes. So that would be your prana my kosha and. When you discharge that by practices like this, which we call co-meditation or somatic practice, you zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Your body gets to relive that experience. But instead of shutting down, you bring awareness and it feels seen. All right, we're going to come back to the podcast after a quick break. Welcome back to the Habit Coach Podcast. Let's continue. Tell me about coherence. So basically... I reached out to you when I found out that you were working with heart math and right and I was like oh my god finally someone who can explain this to me because many many years ago I started deep diving into HRV because mm. I found HRV as a fantastic tool to understand what's happening in your system and obviously India didn't have heart math it didn't have any HRV systems I had to like buy it off like various Chinese websites and stuff like this <laughs> to start practicing it. And I would use it for my meditation practice. I would use it to see what kind of foods worked for my body. Was there a reaction mm. in my HRV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But tell me a little bit about HRV heart math. And this is using current science for evaluating stuff that exists in our Annamaya Koshana, Pranamaya Koshas, what I've understood so far of it. Okay. So coherence is a way, you know, scientifically coherence in the biological context is when your heart rate, your nervous system and your endocrine systems are in sync with each other. So if you measured respiration, heart rate and, you know, endocrine function and you got graphs for them, if all the graphs were in a sine wave like pattern and you put them on transparencies, you put them one on top of the other and it looked like one graph, you're in a state of coherence. So we might call this like a flow state right, where there is very little friction in your mind, in your body, you're at ease, but you're not relaxed and not aware. So coherence is not being relaxed, like, you know, I had a massage, now I'm coherent, no, and you're like half asleep. No, it's a state where your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that makes executive decisions, logical decisions is online. And your limbic brain, which is your primitive brain, that's the one that gets triggered is, is not like in charge, your vagal nerve will be active and all your systems along this axis of where the vagal nerve runs will be functioning optimally. So in terms of, I just want to relate that to koshas and yoga, you know, when we do, say, for example, we do anulom vilom, right? Or alternate nostril breathing. What we're doing, or we do samavritti, or the lovely lady here before was talking about, you know, how her parents told her to practice Hanuman Chalisa to calm, right? And there's actually, Hanuman is the, you know, god of the wind, right? And so the vayu, and there are different vayus in the body. And then the prana, you know, we have the different pranas in the body. The vayus moving in different ways, right? So we have prana, prana, pana, prana, viana, prana, uh, samana, prana for digestion, all of these. So when you are practicing, say, and I'll just use that example because I know a lot of people love Hanuman Chalisa. And you chant it with the mantra, right? Like you're going, Jaya Hanuman, Jnana Guna Sagar, Jaya Kapishati Huloka Ujagar, Ramadut. And then you do that every, or you could just use two lines. You actually take your body into a state of coherence. If I put an HRV monitor, heart math monitor and monitor you, you would be in a state of coherence. Wow. 
So we have it all. The heart math is only because it's industry vetted. You know, I work in the West and most of my clients are C-suite corporate executives, uh, lawyers, accountants, you know, CEOs, CFOs, people like that. They're not interested in yoga because they think yoga is something you do like, you know, in Lululemon pants to get a yoga body. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I do. So, so it's a way to invite them into and it's trackable. You know, you can and, and it's good. You know, it's even for me, you know, I also think it's really good because you practice heart math with your eyes open instead of most of these practices which you do with your eyes closed. So it helps you to be able to like while we're talking, I I just started practicing coherence breathing and my speech slowed down. I might not slow down my speech, I can still practice coherence breathing, but it's something you can practice on the go. So my clients are practicing them in the, you know, heart math techniques in the boardroom during meetings, during heated debates. They're able to bring it into the life that they're living because they're not interested in doing yoga. They just want to have better performance, less stress. Nothing wrong with that. Don't we all want that, right? What all does it measure? HRV is one. Just HRV. Just HRV. Just the HRV. Hmm. Yeah, but in a lot of detail. Yeah. And then you can change the levels also. So we can change, you know, there's a a normal uh, sort of replicating normal stress level and then you go to medium to high to very high. Hmm. And then it sinks to the cloud. So as a practitioner, I get to see, like right now, I'm, I've just come to India and I've got clients that are doing heart math. Mm. I'll just open my computer and their data will be synced to my heart cloud. Mm. And then, you know, you're all about habits. I'm all about habits. Like accountability is key. So if I said to someone that was practicing yoga, okay, now please do this breathing before you eat your meals. Whether they do it or no, there's no way for me to actually know and how they did it. But with this, it pulls the data and it shows me start at 9.53 a.m., finished at this time, then it gives me all the graphs. So you can't lie. I, I'm a <laughs> tough person to work with. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I, I was like, yeah, I did, I did it. I'm mm. like, I don't see anything on the heart cloud. I absolutely loved the conversation that we had today. Maribel, how can people get in touch with you? How can people continue this conversation with you going forward? It's just my Instagram, website, LinkedIn, mirabeldacuna.com is my website and then everything's on there so, so fantastic and we're putting the links in the podcast as well so nice to have this podcast with you finally we managed to do it so so happy you're here i'm so grateful to be here and for anyone who thinks yoga is a certain way drop that today and know that you can enjoy life fully and that is yoga <laughs> i love it my anandamaya kosha is exploding <laughs> If you like this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe. Also, give us a rating. It really helps with people discovering the podcast. If you like podcasts like this, check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can also watch all the episodes on the Habit Coach Awesome 180 YouTube channel. Follow us on social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, everywhere. You can also reach out to me. I am Ashton Doc at Twitter and Instagram. You can connect with me on my website, awesome180.com. You can also check out my two new books, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, and the second, The Book of Good Habits for Kids. I am Ashton Doctor, your habit coach.